Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Mosaic Meets. We're so excited to have you listen to us. Um, as part of our second episode um, in this series, we have a our wonderful CAPS representative. Um, my name is Sharon, and I'm going to kick it off to Chris to get us started in introductions, and then we'll get into this, this uh, podcast. Yeah, totally. Thank you, Sharon. Um, so my name is Chris Yang. I'm the director of the Mosaic Cross-Cultural Center. My pronouns are he, him, his. Um, and I guess I'll kick it back to Sharon. Hi, uh, I'm Sharon. She, her, hers, the program coordinator for Mosaic Cross-Cultural Center. And I'll kick it off to Jazz. Hey everyone, my name is Jazz. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And I'm the social media liaison for Mosaic Cross-Cultural Center. And I'm going to kick it off to Kenny Boots. What's up? It's Kenny. I use they, them pronouns. A cultural programmer at Mosaic. And I'm going to kick it off to our special guest, Steph. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for such a warm welcome. Um, so my name's Stephanie Preston. I use she, her, hers pronouns. I'm a counselor at CAPS. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, if that matters to anybody. Um, and I'm stoked to be on the show. Awesome. Um, thank you again so much for joining us. We really think that, you know, mental health is a huge topic and something um, that we really want new students who are going to be part of the Spartan community to understand and ha know what their resources are about. Um, but, you know, the reality is that most of our new, you know, students haven't been on even campus yet. And so, you know, this is the reason for this podcast to, you know, why we thought it was important for it to exist so that new and returning students could understand their resources, but also have a face and a voice that they could recognize, um, especially on a virtual platform. So, you know, would you mind um, telling us a little bit more about yourself? Sure, you, you wanna know a little bit of everything or like professional background stuff? Yeah, or? you know, where were you born? All the security questions, really. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my password. Yeah, mom's uh, name, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> No, as, as much as you want to share, you know, um, how long have you been in San Jose? Have, how long have you been part of San Jose State? Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was born in Seattle um, and I moved to San Jose in 2012 um, at the end of grad school um, to work at San Jose State. Um, and I'm lucky enough that I got hired on a couple more times and have stayed uh, getting to work at CAPS since then. Um, I, uh, what, the reason I came to San Jose State CAPS is because of the students. Um, I love working with San Jose students because I learn so much from them every day and I learn so much from my colleagues. Again, the cool thing I think about CAPS is we have give or take, you know, depending on the year and, and who's on different leaves and things, we have about 30 counselors of different sorts. And so, 
um, that's awesome for me because everybody comes from a different background and has different identities and statuses and um, we get to learn from each other on how to help students best. So I think that's really awesome. Um, some other things, some other reasons why I came to San Jose State uh, was to collaborate with the Pride Center. Um, I do a lot of work over there. I do drop-in hours, um, did them in real life prior to uh, shelter in place, but I'm also have been doing them virtually. Um, and I love working with the LGBTQ community. I say particularly the Bs and the Ts um, and the Qs because I kind of like folks who challenge the uh, binaries and the, and the um, status quo. Uh, I identify as bisexual, queer, so that's a piece of it too. Um, what else? I've loved collaborating with Mosaic. I've been fortunate enough to get to go to Leadership Today for a few years now and get to support students on that journey of learning about um, social identities and statuses and social justice leadership. Um, I also run some of the training over at CAPS. We have um, six to eight different uh, trainees every year, people in their doctoral programs or finish, just finish their doctoral programs. And I help train them to be uh, multiculturally competent psychologists. Um, so that's another role that I do over there. So music, we like music here. We like talking about music. What songs, artists, or albums have been on the soundtrack of your summer so far? Good question. So I will admit that I am usually the last to discover any good music. Um, that's not uh, my forte in life, but um, the beginning of the summer, I was listening to a bit of The weekend. Um, I did discover this band, I think they're called Arizona, but they spell it like A-R-I-Z-O-N-A, -A, all in caps with spaces in between, so I don't know if they want me to go through all of that to say their name, but um, I've been enjoying that. Um, Tara Jr., I don't know, is on my playlist right now. Um, and then I also discovered, I must have been driving somewhere in the south because I discovered the like Central Coast's um, throwback station and have been listening to that the last week nonstop. Um, I love my 90s R&B hip hop. <laughs> yes, 90s R&B through line. We love oh, yeah. 90s R&B. Oldies and R&B is it's Chris's thing. <laughs> well, and the other the other th the other reason that that has been on repeat is because you didn't ask me which shows I've been binge watching. But Pose, ah. has anybody seen Pose? Have you? Yes. So that's part of it too. Is the second season all the music? I was like, this is my this is my adolescence. <laughs> this song. So then I had to you know just listen to like all the En Vogue and and everything. So it's been. Fun. I love En Vogue. I, it's so funny because like I feel like. Uh, our students aren't going to be able to relate to this at all. But for us <laughs> older folks, uh, I feel like our, like, I don't know about the rest of y'all, but like my, my playlist on my phone basically freeze at about like 2005. Like, the, <laughs> like all my songs are from like 1999 to 2005. <laughs> like with very few exceptions. Um, yeah. it's, it's like I stopped developing at that point. Musically, I, so I hope. <laughs> Yeah, my theory is that those years of our lives from, you know, 
I would go say like age 12 to age 25, 27, like there's a lot of emotions happening. There's a lot of first loves. There's a lot of first heartbreaks. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of identity stuff, right? And so I think the music that you listen to during that time of life will always have an emotional grip on you. So that's For sure. Mine. For sure. I mean, I know I definitely cried to invoke songs when I was <laughs> Anyway, that's totally off topic. <laughs> Um, so, so you did talk about this a little bit, Stephanie, um, about your, your role at San Jose State, but I was wondering if you could go a little bit deeper and not, not necessarily your roles per se, but like, um, like you mentioned, you know, going to leadership today, you mentioned being, you know, being, a, um, um, being a faculty fellow in the Pride Center, like, can you talk a little bit about like, like you working with other campus departments and other places on campus and ways in which you can see students other than just CAPS appointments. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, those are the two, the two ways that I, the two big ways I can think of that I interact with students on occasion. Well, CAPS does outreach, um, what we call outreach, where um, can happen a bunch of different ways, but if a student group or a classroom or anything wants to learn more about CAPS or learn more about any particular mental health issue, um, they can request for counselors to, again, come into a classroom or come into a student club meeting or any, any space and um, be there to talk about things or be there to support students. Say, if you're giving some programming on something that might be triggering, um, you can have a, a CAPS counselor come by and be a part of that to help um, in case anybody wants to talk about anything that comes up for them. Um, so those are a couple of ways, but we do have, like Chris mentioned, we have, um, we have counselors stationed uh, sort of liaisons, I guess now we're not physically stationed there, but liaisons to different um, cultural centers on campus. So we have me at the Pride Center. Um, Y'all had Ellen and Nicole this past year at Mosaic. Um, Colleen is the liaison with athletics. Richard Francisco hangs out at the Vet Resource Center. Um, uh, what am I missing? Chanel is at the African American Black Student Success Center, and Celinda is at the Chicanx Latinx um, Center, El Centro. Um, so those are different ways. People are there different hours of the week, and students can drop in and again just ask questions. Or you know, I've had students come in and say, "There's no way I would go to Caps. Here's the reasons why." And I love hearing that. Right? We we're happy to get feedback or just like people's experiences or, you know, hey, I don't think I wanna go cause this, this and this, and maybe I can give you some information that um, either would change your mind or, or just make it more comfortable to talk to somebody else. You know, counseling isn't the only mental health resource out there by any means. Um, so we're happy to um, help you connect to whatever would be helpful for you and your mental health. Uh, thanks. And, and I know that part of your work with Pride is also you're super involved with the PIP program. Do you want to talk a little bit, a bit about Oh, yeah. Good, good call. Yeah. So I co-facilitate the Peers in Pride program with Bonnie Sugiyama, the director of the Pride Center. And what that is, is a student mentoring program. Um, we say it's sort of for first year students, but really it's for anybody who feels like Maybe they're new to the LGBTQ community or questioning um, and just feels like they could use a one-on-one -on -one mentor um, who is in the queer, queer community. Um, 
And what we do is we gather up a bunch of students and we train them in resources on campus so they know all about you know, financial aid and the AEC and um, that's the Accessible Education Center and um, different uh, resources on campus. Um, and then we also teach them active listening skills, how to be basically a, um, a really good sort of student peer counselor um, and listener and help people sort through issues on their own and then maybe direct them to different resources and things. And so we take applications, we're taking applications right now, um, get in touch with Bonnie <laughs> um, for mentees. And then we have a cohort of mentors who we will match folks up with. And you, um, you base, it's basically like having a designated person that you can go to and ask questions about, um, you know, what's uh, queer life in San Jose like during COVID or um, how do I, get my parking fee reimbursed or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, how, you know, I'm struggling in this class, what would you do? Um, so it's, it's an awesome program and um, our mentors are absolutely top notch. They're some of the best, most compassionate um, folks that I've ever met and I just am thrilled to get to work with them. So that's the Pride program, Peers and Pride program, PIP for short. Okay, so if a new student on campus approached you and asked why CAPS exists, then what would you say? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say CAPS exists to support students in their journey. I wish I had the mission statement memorized. I could probably spit that out right now. But it's something like that. It's something like to support students in mental health and personal crises and educationally as well. A lot of people don't know, but we have educational counselors who are pros at things like study skills, time management. Um, they're also really helpful if you need to drop a class after a deadline, they know that process really well and can help with that. Um, so yeah, we are, we are on campus to support student mental health, but also academic success, um, and that, and mental health is such a broad thing, you know, and the other thing I would tell the student is that I think, I think I'm stealing this from Active Minds, which is another <laughs> group I'm involved in. Um, by the way, they are back. We are, I think we are coming back in the fall. Um, it's a student organization, a student, yeah, student organization that's, um, purpose is to change the conversation about mental health on college campuses and basically decrease stigma around conversations about mental health and seeking um, help, seeking counseling services. And something that they say is something like, we may not all have mental illness, but we all have mental health. And um, so CAPS is open to everybody, right? You don't have to have a particular diagnosis. You don't have to feel like your what you're going through is the most serious thing anybody you've ever met has gone through that is not you know the threshold to seek counseling um what we offer is a place to talk and listen be listened to and be supported and um have a you know a create a relationship is really what it's about is creating a relationship with somebody um and uh if it you know takes the form of therapy then so be it but it's really just about being there to support students with whatever they're going through so i think that's why caps exists yeah yeah i think that's really helpful i mean a lot of 
college is very stressful. It's CAPS is greatly needed. Um, so in your time working at SJSU or just with students in general, uh, what are some of the mental health challenges you see in the students and how can CAPS provide resources for folks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Um, as I finished the answering the last question, I thought of something else that we do that is vital to mention, which is um, case management. Um, so one of the things that I, one of the big challenges, mental health related challenges that I see our students facing are um, systemic challenges, financial stress, um, racial discrimination, um, uh, you know. Because we all nod our heads <laughs> during yeah. this podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think a, a lot of, um, well, for context, I will, I will disclose. When I went to grad school, they taught us about mental illness and they taught us about you know, how to, what are the criteria that present and then how to help somebody kind of change their beliefs in order to say, be happier or be less anxious or whatever. And um, another reason I love San Jose State, and again, that learning I was talking about before, one of the things that I've learned a lot more about being here is that that's, that, that mental illness is not always created within the individual. It is oftentimes actually uh, because of the systems that the individual is in. And so that's a, that's a huge one, right, that, that we see at CAPS is students who are experiencing homelessness. And, um, you know, I think I'd be incredibly anxious if, uh, or depressed if I didn't have a roof over my head right now. Um, students who are undocumented and the stress of walking around in this world right now fearing for, you know, your being deported or your family being deported. Those are um, huge things. And, and that's the other thing that CAPS does is not only can we provide a space and a supportive ear, but we have a lot of resources and we have a lot of connections and we know who on campus and off campus can be of use. Um, Celinda, Miranda and Kat Fillmore are our two case, manage case managers at CAPS and they um, are amazing and they are such wealth, you know, fountains of knowledge um, in terms of community resources. So they know, you know, what shelters have beds, they know what other counseling centers have wait lists and which ones don't um, for folks who need longer term counseling than what CAPS provides. Um, and they can help with uh, getting connected to economic and financial resources and um, all kinds of things. So um, I think that's, that's a lot in terms of just what, so sometimes what people come into CAPS for is different than what ends up being the bigger source. So again, a lot of people come in because they've gone through a breakup recently or, um, you know, they, they're, it's their first time living, living away from home. Maybe this won't happen this fall. Um, but, uh, you know, homesickness or roommate issues or, um, you know, all kinds of things, uh, drug and alcohol concerns, um, sometimes that one, not as much, honestly, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a huge, it's a wide range of things. And, um, and that's another piece of what we do is not just listen and validate, but also again, try to help connect students to different resources on and off campus. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, I really appreciate that. I think one of the things that we really try to concentrate on in Mosaic is the understanding that, you know, these instances of, of, um, of social power inequities, um, they, they result in trauma in folks and Mm -hmm. like, you know, every time somebody has like a racist encounter or, or, you know, a homophobic, you know, encounter or, you know, like even like, you know, microaggressions, like every time someone says something or every time someone, you know, does something like these are moments of trauma and, Mm. and, and they may be, they may be brief, but the impacts can last a long, long time. And I think, you know, we need to, we need to really recognize these for the trauma that they are in order to, to help move past them. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, I think, I think our students, I mean, our students can speak to this a lot more personally than we can speak for them. Um, So I don't want to try to presume anything with our students, but I think one of the things that we have to remind ourselves as staff and faculty members at at an institution of higher learning is that, you know, our our students are going through a lot and and this is a very formative time. Um, Oftentimes you have students who, you know, are not living at home for the first time in their lives. Oftentimes you have students who, um, you know, might have moved to a different part of the state or a different part of the country in order to go to college. Um, and it, it's like a disruption in their life and they have to completely upend whatever sort of coping mechanisms they've developed in the last four or five, six years, um, in order to make it to this point. Yeah, absolutely. And, and another thing, obviously, just to kind of touch on the current world, um, a lot of people are talking about coronavirus and a lot of people are talking about Black Lives Matter and, police brutality and um, the trauma of witnessing and re-witnessing or experiencing um, that sort of uh, horrific trauma. Um, So it can be sometimes, you know, I I will always remember going into CAPS the day after our current president was elected and just the panic and, um, you know, then going out to the Pride Center and, and the way that politics, I think, affects people, obviously, and makes us fearful for our futures and our families and our um, loved ones. And so that can be a, a absolutely a, oftentimes a topic um, in counseling. Yeah. And then on the on the individual level as well, as you were saying, Chris, microaggressions or, or macroaggressions, um, experience, major experiences of discrimination um, come up a lot. And that is a it is a trauma and it's a, it's a, I think one of the terrible things about that is going through it and feeling like you're alone in it, that you're the only one who's experienced that or that there's something wrong with you for having had that experience or having had that done to you. Um, and so that's why we invite people to come in and, and share it in a confidential space. And you can share happy things too. <laughs> you know, we, we love to, you know, that's the other thing about working in higher ed for me is that I get to also stay with students oftentimes for their journey throughout undergrad, sometimes undergrad and grad school. That's fun too. Um, and then celebrate them when they, you know, get the job that they wanted or get the internship or get the grade that they've been working for so hard. Um, so it's all of that. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, um, I think oftentimes on our college campuses, we look to CAPS as like a resource for when a student is, you know, experiencing the most, 
the harshest, the heartbreaking event in their life. But, you know, for folks who are listening, right, um, you can also go to CAPS when you're feeling like everything is fine. And um, one thing about our CAPS is you can also do, um, uh, I don't know what they're exactly called, but like group Mm -hmm. sessions or group workshops and couple therapy and all of these things are offered as well. So it's not just even the individual, right? Um, it can also be with your partner or, you know, um, your roommate, like Stephanie was saying, like you can go to these different things. It's, and I would highly recommend it, right? Because of our current social, political, economic climate, you know, it is so much more important to do self-work right and Chris and I have really I mean I've made Chris talk about self-work I feel like a lot this summer because (laughs) I've been I've been doing self-work you know it's it's been voluntary (laughs) it has it was not forced okay very happy to talk about self-work yeah um but you know I think that's something that you know I went to San Jose State as a undergrad and I remember going um, once or twice to CAPS because I was really not in a good space, but I didn't want to admit it. And it took me again years and now I'm 31 and now I'm starting to do and start therapy for myself and figure it out. Right. And I think one of the things that I really encourage folks is to use the resources because you do get, you know, it's covered by your tuition, right? Once you, when you become an adult, and you're out of college, things are much more expensive. Um, so use use the resources that are there for you. Um, you're already paying for it somehow. <laughs> and you don't have to be in the like worst point or the, having experienced the worst things in your life and feel like you can just carry on. It's okay to ask for help. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have, you know, someone to process with. Um, and like, you know, I know that sometimes your family and your loved ones, you know, they're, they care about you very deeply, but they maybe won't be able to support you the way that you need to be supported either. Um, and that's something that I think, you know, is really important for, um, for folks to realize, especially for transfer students or, or international or graduate students, right? Like, um depending on uh what institution you've come for from or even country right like things like caps may not have been a common thing in your community and so you know um just to let you know you don't just check it out even (laughs) um you know see what's available maybe you don't want to do individual sessions and you want to join a a group like active minds or something like that Yeah, Sharon, I absolutely want to second all of that. Thank you. Um, I actually tell folks, you know, it kind of makes sense if you if you think of it to go into caps and start a relationship with somebody while you are feeling okay, right? And then when the stuff hits the fan, it's like you you can trust them a little bit more, right? And be a little more real. So definitely um, go early in the beginning of the semester um, and and get in and um, and, and yeah, groups are amazing. I, I used to run groups and I haven't gotten to in a little while because of all the other things I'm doing, but, um, group counseling is unbelievable. And, um, 
again, the, the best thing about group counseling is you're in a group of people who are similar to you and that they're students. It might not be similar in a lot of other ways, but, um, but you're all going through something, right? And you're all there to try to work on yourselves and get better. And I think people underestimate how healing it is to hear other people's journeys and to hear other people's struggles. And again, to know that you're not alone in what you're going through. Um, I've run groups with people who have gotten along so well and been so supportive um, that they've carried on the group long after it was the semester was over on their own because they just found such good support among each other. Um, and also, Sharon, you reminded me of my journey, my personal journey into counseling, um, which was, I, I actually, I was in counseling, I was in therapy uh, earlier in like middle school, high school, I went through some depression, but I like to joke around about how when I was in college, I was actually mandated to go to counseling um, because I uh, violated the alcohol policy at my university. And so for a couple of years at San Jose State, I taught the alcohol sanctions class that students had to go to when they violated the alcohol policy. Um, full circle. <laughs> full circle. Full right. circle. Right. <laughs> and, and I went and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be there. I was mandated. And I think I probably lied and just was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And whatever, you know, and that's sometimes that's your journey and that's, that's okay too. Um, mm -hmm. But also I agree with Sharon. Like I wish I had made more of it when I was there. Um, I wish I had uh, taken advantage of so many more resources on my college campus. I did not get nearly involved enough um, because now I'm in my own therapy all the time regularly because it's important. I think it's a great way. It's, you know, yet another way to take care of yourself. Um, and and um, yeah, so it can be very useful. So, and I also just wanted to give a little more information on groups and workshops. So we do we do groups where usually it's like the same group of students and you get to know people and you meet typically every week. And that, that's the one where you're going to kind of form more relationships with a small group of students. We like to go for eight or 10. I'm not sure if we're, if we're having that sort of number right now, but, um, and then workshops tend to be one, two, three time things. And they're a little bit more like providing more information. Of course, it's going to be discussion based and activities and things like that. But um, we have workshops on a variety of topics like healthy relationships or anxiety workshops um, or mindfulness workshops, um, things like that. So there's a lot more skills. It's a little bit more didactic and that sort of thing. So if you're the person, sort of person who loves to like get the worksheet out and like write about your whatever, that sort of workshop feeling, whereas a group is going to be a little bit more like sharing about your your life probably and or what's going on for you and that sort of thing help supporting other students right. yeah and I, I think it's it's really nice because it supplements more of the like um building up your skills to self-soothe in those moments of anxiety or in those moments of like when you don't have your next appointment <laughs> scheduled to meet with someone um and so, you know, I highly recommend doing a combination of things as well, because, you know, there's something that my therapist called like a therapy graduation. Eventually, you want to get to a point where you don't want to, you don't really need someone all the time. <laughs> <laughs>
Yep, we try to work ourselves out of a job. Right. (laughs) But I mean, it's the same as any other point of wellness, right? Physical wellness, the same thing. When people do physical therapy or when people, you know, work out in the gym, the point isn't to forever be with your physical therapist. The point is that at some point you're going to work towards a goal of not having to see them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then you can go back for booster sessions if you Mm -hmm. need to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, okay, so, you know, I, I really want to ask this question, especially to you, Stephanie, because you and I feel like we've roommated, uh, we've roommated, is that a word? <laughs> roommates at Leadership Today. Um, I think and, I saw that sitcom. It was really good. <laughs> um, we've also, you know, during the Leadership Today sessions, we would be in the back just like hanging out and processing ourselves. Um, but I could... I can really see your face when you're working with students and you, I can see like the joy that you have, but I don't think I actually know, like what is something that you like most about working with students at SJSU? Cause I know you have so many different touch points with our um, SJSU students, but you know, I would love to hear, and I think everyone should hear, you know, why like humanizing folks in different places in our, in our um, college campus, like, why do you like working with our students? Yeah, uh, I have a lot of reasons. But one thing that comes to mind that I want to speak to first is I think sometimes students might get the impression that we are in this field to help, which we are, sorry. (laughs) We are, of course. But you have no idea the impact that you make on your counselor. You have no idea because we don't, we're, you know, because we're making it about you. (laughs) That is your time when you're in counseling, it's about you. But you have no idea how much we feel for you, how much we care about you, how much we worry about you (laughs) when you don't show up. Um, You know, the, the, and the counselors at CAPS, I, you know, I just can't say enough of about how how big those people's hearts are and and how much we love the job because we get to form those real relationships with students and get to be changed by them you know and I think that's the thing that comes to mind for me first and foremost is again like how much I learn from students whether you know whether it's a student who comes in who says they're of a particular religion that maybe I don't know much about. I'm going to go learn about that religion, right? So that I can have some foundation to then ask them about their experience. Um, so I'm learning outside of my job. Um, but then also just talking to people and hearing their experiences and listening to maybe they had an experience that I've had, um, but the way that they reacted or the way that they processed it or the way that their family contextualized it for them is so different um and I just I think that's such an honor to get to hear those stories and and for people to um trust me enough to let me in on that journey and let me sort of hold their hold their hand as they go through making sense of their world um it's it's amazing and it's beautiful and um, I love, I, I, I love my individual clients, but I also, you know, like I said, I love group work. And for me right now, the peers and pride is my big 
my big group. And every time I come out of that meeting, I've learned something, whether it is something new social media that I am so (laughs) (laughs) uncool about (laughs) or a term, they teach me terms and then I say them and they all laugh. It's great. Um, you know, or, or if it's an identity that I didn't know about or a way that somebody describes, you know, their experience of, of, uh, an identity. Um, I, and, and, you know, yeah. And there are different backgrounds and, and interests and hobbies and all of these things. It's, um, it's just such a blessing to get to connect with people and, um, and yeah, and get to learn about them and hopefully help them along a little bit. And, you know, for a student to reach out and say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling in this class or, you know, it's been really hard for me being in shelter in place uh, with my family constantly and not very much freedom and I can't do my normal coping stuff um, mm-hmm. for me to be able to listen and validate and, and maybe help them connect with a resource. Um, I don't know. I just feel really lucky to get to do the work I do and where I do it. Um, the students absolutely make it, make it the best job <laughs> by far. Our students are the best. Sanity. I agree completely. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So with everything going on right now, and there's a lot, um, but with COVID and with the protests, how are you planning on working with students this upcoming year? Mm, good question. Um, and I will say with myself being a nine month counselor and I'm off for the summer, so I'm not privy to a lot of the conversations that I hope or that I know are going on at, at CAPS right now. Um, but I will say, I mean, in regards to COVID, we've been online since day one, day negative two of shelter in place. Um, everything is via Zoom. Um, and uh yeah, so we're still, we're absolutely still doing individual therapy, group therapy, um, relationship therapy, uh, workshops, consultations, um, crisis, drop-in, everything. Um, and, and I think we have a lot to learn. I will, um, I hate to generalize, so maybe I should just speak about myself, but as a counselor, I like in-person <laughs> communication, and I like I don't like technology very much. So I think that's a little bit generalizable to a few more counselors than just me. So we're not always on top of the tech, but help us, let us know. You know, I think hopefully we're open to feedback. That's definitely something we value. Um, so if there's, if we're missing something, I know it's hard for a lot of students to get a confidential space um, in which to do therapy. A lot of folks don't have you know, their own room that they can have at a particular time. Um, So let us know. Uh, We've been doing a lot of therapy with students who are in cars or in parks or in bathrooms or, you know, wherever you can do it, um, wherever feels best. Um, So that's part of it with COVID. And and we're also doing a lot of workshops right now about particular anxiety about COVID, how to manage anxiety. Um, Again, this is one of those things where I have this, sort of saying about like systemic oppression, which, you know, you can't bubble bath yourself out of systemic oppression. There's not, you can't do enough self-care to like undo a pandemic, right? So um, take it with a grain of salt and know that some anxiety is to be expected. This is a 
un an unbelievable time to be alive and we should be anxious and we should be fearful to some degree. But um, when it's getting in the way of schooling or relationships or sleep or eating, um, then there might be some things that we can do to help bring that anxiety down a little bit so you can function and keep, keep going on your, your life trajectory. Um, so yeah, they're offering workshops on, you know, living in shelter in place during a time of COVID. Um, and then also in regards to the protests and Black Lives Matter and things, I think, again, CAPS prides itself on being SJSU CAPS, right? This is a social justice oriented university. And um, these are conversations that the counselors are having when things like this are going on in the world. And um, I'll, I'll be completely honest, I don't know exactly what is being planned, um, but I do know that the faculty, the CFA, you know, I got a circulated email about um, decreasing the police presence. I know that's something I've been speaking about at CAPS a lot because unfortunately our current practice in regards to hospitalizing students is to have UPD do it and I have never liked that. Um, so, you know, I think that's stuff that we need to work on and that we need to be aware of and supporting um, all of our students, but particularly our Black students on campus. Yeah, um, I mean, I really appreciate you, you talking about that, Stephanie. I think, um, you know, having the perspective of, what did you say, you can't bubble bath away oppression. Mm -hmm. um, like, that, that's, such, that's such a great thing to think about because I think, you know, one of the things that that we've been seeing a lot of during the COVID times um, is like people will post stuff like make sure you take care of yourself, make sure you have self well, like self care, make sure you know whatever. And and that's not bad advice, but you know at the same time it's like you know oftentimes you have this perspective of like well you know if um you like you can just fix things with self care. And and there are things that you can't fix with self care, and and it's it's actually kind of destructive to tell somebody mm -hmm. to go take care of themselves when they're really dealing with like a systemic issue. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that gets back again to this idea of mental illness as being the responsibility of the individual. You know that that it's within you now. Maybe it maybe it was partially caused by your upbringing or a traumatic experience or genetics, but now it's up to you to fix it. And, you know, it's just not, I just don't think that's true. I just think that there are so many other factors at play and that if we all had good healthcare and didn't experience, you know, homophobia, transphobia, racism, sexism, you know, all of these classism, all of these things that, that we'd have a better shot of having great mental health, but Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Take care of yourselves and recognize that it's not entirely your responsibility. And if you're not feeling great right now, that's that's to be expected to some degree. Right. It's not because you did something wrong. Right. Yeah. Or you didn't again take enough bubble baths. You know, right. <laughs> it's not. And I and I think you know people do it out of out of uh, people say that stuff out of a good place. Right. You know, I think, but but you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like you know what do you say when somebody tells you that their dog died, right? It's like, you don't know what to say, you know? So you try to say something comforting. And mm -hmm. I think, I think you know, one of the things that we have to be okay with is the idea of like, we don't know things. It's okay to not know things, you know? It's okay to and, not have something to say. Yeah, and it's okay for people to not be okay. Yeah. If your dog just died or 
you know, worse yet, somebody you know has COVID, like you shouldn't be okay. That's okay. You know, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be, you know, all of these things. Um, and it's an understandable response when the world is as messed up as it is. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> with the new school year, sorry to change the subject, but <laughs> with the new school year coming up, um, what advice do you have for new students, first years, transfers, et cetera? What, what advice do you have for them? Well, I think what we were just talking about feels pretty pertinent in that, like, this is probably not what they imagined for their first year of school. And um, I'm sorry. I know it's not my fault, but I feel like that's, I just think that sucks. Um, And so be patient with yourself. And, um, you know, I think... I think the same advice probably some of the same advice applies as if we were going to be fully in person, which is get connected. Um, I think get getting connected to other students in classes, getting connected to professors, getting connected to resource centers or student orgs or anything like that. Um, probably even more vital now than before, frankly, because, um, we're so disconnected in so many ways. Um, So I would encourage that, but I would also encourage, you know, just again, say, make sure you're being gentle with yourself and self-compassionate. If it's hard, of course it's hard. Of course it's hard. Yeah, and feel free to call caps, I guess. (laughs) You know, I just, um, I think it's it's a really rough time and, I have all the faith in the world for our students and our incoming students. Again, folks are amazing, brilliant, and hardworking, and um, I think can absolutely get through this. Uh, but um, but let us know how we can help because there's a lot of folks on campus who want to be there to support students. Um, so find your people, find those who you feel supported by. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we we have, as part of this, you know, Jazz and Kenny, you're on this call, and and uh, you're two of our current students um, doing all, all sorts of great stuff. Um, and uh, just kind of want to ask the two of you, you know, what has your experience has been with CAPS on campus? You know, you both also went to LT. You know, if you all had experiences with like having Stephanie around or working with Stephanie individually, like what's it, what's it been like um, having this resource on campus? Um, I personally haven't gone to CAPS yet. I've like always had it in the back of my mind, like that's there, CAPS is here. So I'm like, I know it's there. So I'm very grateful. Um, but I haven't actually gone in yet, but I I was part of PIP my first year and I met Stephanie from there, but yeah, that was cool. Um, like all of my friends, we were on the rainbow floor, rainbow village in Joe West 
and they all were talking about like oh pips this thing blah 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 and like they're all all part of pip so i joined i had i was like what i didn't know this is the thing but then i joined uh it was really cool um i got to meet cool people uh kind of get connected as well um and yeah i mean going to lt having stuff there as well that's really cool like i remember i think last time last lt i like went to the bathroom or something or i walked i walked back to my room to get something and like stuff was like doing like yoga or something with some students and i was like whoa that's cool like <laughs> very chill and like you know she's always there in the back like always like very approach approachable I always like thought like I could always go to her if I needed anything. So I really appreciate that. Um, and yeah, that's most of my experience with Caps and Steph. Yeah, I also met Steph um, at Leadership Today. And like Kenny said, she just always seemed very approachable, always had a smile on her face in the back of the room. <laughs> but yeah, I also personally haven't gone into Caps. Um, I think I've had I forgot her name but I did uh have like an appointment or an arrangement at Mosaic before with one of the counselors um so that was those sessions were really helpful um having members from CAPS come into Mosaic and um offer their services and that was around the time where I was just like really stressed out about a lot of things going on so um sometimes it's nice to, to have that outlet, um, especially where we work. I think that's really important too, because um, work and school and, you know, all these other factors going on in our lives, it adds up. So it's CAPS, I would definitely utilize that resource, especially for our new students and for transfers who are going to be going through this new school year and all of the challenges that it's going to bring along with it. But yeah, CAPS is there, and we're all here for you. Yeah, and also, I, that reminded me, like, yeah, like, having some of the counselors come into the centers, that was very, like, nice, because, I don't know, like, I get nervous, like, setting up an appointment and, like, going in and, and just having um, Nicole. Nicole was there who came into Mosaic, and just having her be there, just chilling at the desk, like, ready to talk. I was able to like ask her a few questions about some things and that was really nice. So just being able to have them like outside of uh, the wellness center, that was really helpful as well. So always look out. I remember Steph saying that there are a bunch of counselors that go into all the different centers. So yeah, that's very useful. So you don't have to like go out of your way really. Yeah, it's more in, it's it feels more comfortable if you want it to be like in a more casual setting too. Yeah. Like, yeah. You go like, oh, quick question. This, this, yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. But yeah, we we appreciate caps. Thank y'all. Yeah. Yeah. I just I wanna just touch on that exactly that, you know, keep in mind that that um counseling and therapy can mean a lot of different things and when when i talk about like a lot of the individual counseling that we do at caps is a very white western like 
version where there's, you know, somebody who may be a doctor and you're going to them and you're talking about yourself and they're like quiet. And granted, let me just disclaimer, a lot of our CAPS counselors are not doing this sort of therapy where they're like, you know, blank slate and analyzing your dreams and stuff. But, um, but, but recognizing that it's, that there are a lot of barriers to getting into CAPS, right? You've got to make an call. I know a lot of students are like, I'm not getting on the phone. Can I text you? You know, like, um, you know, you've got to call or somehow get in touch and make appointments and, and talk about yourself. And that's really uncomfortable for a lot of people to go through that formalized way. And so I think, um, I, what I want to do is take what you two just said back to CAPS and say, Hey, can we do more of this? sort of embedded um, counseling, you know, where it feels more casual, because I think that's students prefer that a lot of the time. Um, but, but it also depends on cultural background and, and age and, you know, what kind, what kind of people are looking for and that sort of thing. And, and we do want to have a confidential space so that if you do want to talk about something, you don't want all your friends to hear that you can go there. Um, but I think it, it's really important to have people who you know are invested in your community, you know, or part of your community, um, and who are in the spaces where you are to make it a little bit more accessible and easy to get into. Um, and I appreciate that for sure. Yeah, um, with um, with COVID, right? Our Let's Talk um, series sessions, whatever you want to call them, with Nicole and um, previously Ellen, um, they would come in for an hour and a half or so, hang out in the center, you could approach them, talk to them. Then when we ended up um, getting online, we would hold less talk sessions, um, you know, and then we would um, put them on our Instagram. And so, you know, it was a virtual Zoom space that folks would drop into. And if you needed a private space to talk to our CAPS liaison, you could go into a breakout room. So those options are there. I know that um, Steffi still does them with Pride or did do them with Pride up until a couple of months ago. So um, yeah, through Zoom. Um, and so I'm pretty sure that, you know, those options will be available with some of our you know, um, centers on campus as well. So you could always look out for that as well. Um, if you want to talk to someone, but you don't want a full session individually, whatever it may be, you can always contact anybody, um, you know, look on their social media, see what's going on, reach out to them. Yeah, and I think, you know, if, you know, in addition to whether it's stigma or, you know, the, the CAPS can be intimidating, not just because, I mean, CAPS isn't intimidating because the CAPS counselors are not. But, mm -hmm. like, the concept of walking into the wellness center, which, you know, very much feels like walking into a hospital in some ways, can be kind of an intimidating feeling. And I think, you know, for students who, you know, might be looking for help but uh, don't want to confront that sort of intimidation, or that stigma, or that uh, that kind of leap um, to go find a resource. You know, having having counselors who are accessible in the spaces that they're going to be in is is really helpful. Um, and I think you know, like Sharon and, and me, our work would be so much different if we hung a sign on mosaic that said, you know, uh, make an appointment to talk to us if something racist happens to you. 
Like, <laughs> you know, it would be such a different kind of atmosphere. You know, I think, you know, the work that Sharon and I do, like the most effective that we ever are is when we're just hanging out and, mm-hmm. you know, people look up from their homework or need someone to talk to while they're eating lunch. And it's not necessarily a, you know, drop by appointment kind of a thing. Right. And, uh, and mental health work too, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to, again, it doesn't have to be just two people in a small room with a couch and a closed door. Like there's so many different ways of getting this same, similar, same type of support and, and um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, times that I've been able to talk to you, Stephanie, or talk to Nicole or talk to Ellen, um, or any of the other CAPS counselors, you know, it's um, the the most, you know, support and benefit I get is just when we're talking, you know, mm-hmm. like, if if you have it in your head, uh, that that finding mental health is like, like, you know, a stereotypical, like, Sigmund Freud, like, guy on a couch, <laughs> you know, talking about, you know, your mother, like, I mean, it can be that, I guess. Um, but <laughs> and he's like, no. <laughs> it, I, it, it could be that, I suppose. But it's also, it doesn't have to be like that, right? Like, that's not, that, that's like a stereotype. That's not necessarily a reality. Yeah. And the, and the concept of, you know, um, meeting in a, in a space that you already feel comfortable in, right? That you feel that sense of community. It, it is more social justice oriented, right? And so I know I truly appreciate CAPS having that partnership with, with Mosaic um, in the past and, and being able to have CAPS liaisons come and spend an hour and a half or whatever in the center and just be available. I know that it, you know, Chris and I aren't counselors. <laughs> like we, we can only listen and, and um, you know, share experiences and, send you to resources and just be a, a, a person that, you know, you can talk at and yell at sometimes if that's what you need, but we can't help you process the same way, right? As much as some folks walk away going, oh my God, I, so thank you so much for listening. I really needed that. I don't know if I can still help you the same way as, you know, a person who has studied this and studied how to support people who are um, feeling some type of way in that moment. Also, also, Sharon and I are not a confidential resource. Right. And that's another thing um, that Stephanie didn't talk about. So maybe you can talk about a little bit. Um, but yeah, like on our campus, right, there are mandated reporters, which, you know, Kenny, Jazz, Chris and I are, right? And anybody else who works on campus, um, of course, we can support you and, and all of that in, your, in the process. Um, but we, we, ha- we are mandated reporters. Can I just interject? When you say mandated reporter, I think you're talking about Title IX, or are you talking about a lot of different things? Sexual assault and d- dating violence? Are you talking about all kinds of things? Uh, it's mostly regarding Title IX, right? But it is like, if anything is really iffy, we are supposed to report, right? Because if it comes down to safety, uh, you know, of that person or the community, like that is our job. So the reason I ask is because I identify as a mandated reporter as well, but Uh. I I think that CAPS counselors, well, A, I don't have to report sexual assault as long as nobody's under 18. Um, We don't report sexual assault on, on principle because I would like for the 
the person who's experienced that to get to make that decision. Um, but also we're exempt from that part of the mandated reporting for Title IX. However, we are mandated reporters if we think that child abuse is happening or at risk of happening, like currently ongoing. Right. Um, so not past child abuse. We hear a lot about students who have experienced different types of abuse as children. But as long as we're not worried that that's still happening to children, then we don't have to report that. So that's something in counseling. Um, we're also mandated to report threats of violence if somebody comes in and right. tells them to go shoot up the campus. I'm going to try to make that not happen. Right, uh, right. An imminent suicide. So that's another one that probably is important to talk about too, because I think a lot of students are really, really scared to tell us about thoughts of suicide. I think folks have heard about people being hospitalized for that. And, and yes, that does happen. But as counselors, we are really well trained at, well, first of all, the thing I tell people is, I think everybody's had thoughts of suicide. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm, I'm hearing, you know, my sample is, is a little skewed, but I've had thoughts of suicide. We can talk about that. That's, we absolutely want to talk about that. Um, being, disclosing thoughts of suicide is not going to, you know, get you hospitalized against your will. That's not what we're about. We want to talk about that stuff. It's, it's really when we think that it's going to happen and it's going to happen now. Um, mm -hmm. That, that we're going to try to take steps to keep that person safe. Um, there's something else. Elder abuse. If we hear mm -hmm. about folks over 65 being abused, we have to report that in dependent adults as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think the big difference is, is A, maybe that we ask a whole lot of questions before we decide that it's something that's going to leave the you know, counseling relationship. Um, and, and then again, the sexual assault and gender-based discrimination, anything under Title IX, we do not have to report. We are confidential in that. Mm -hmm. I, again, with confidentiality, my other, my other like tagline is, you could, tell, you could walk in my office and tell somebody, tell me you just killed somebody and I would not be able to report that. That would be confidential. Because if I don't think you're gonna go kill somebody right now, then you're not a threat, right? So like drug use, Tell me about it. It's not going anywhere. You know, like anything, any past crimes, anything <laughs> that you think is like the worst thing ever, absolutely fine to tell me about. I will keep it totally confidential. It's not going anywhere. Good to know, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I Nobody's taken me up on it yet, but like, you know, just in case. I, just... I mean, I would hope that people are like, Hey, I killed someone three years ago. Like, <laughs> but you never know, you know, people like you never know. But it it is very wild to think about, and I do not envy your job at all. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I mean, we have we have like thirty three thousand students. I'm sure somebody. Oh like, yeah, I've worked. Oh, with, you yeah. know, people who've done some stuff, man. <laughs> I've worked with people who've you know had very violent pasts. I don't know mm -hmm. of any. You know, but yeah, or, or people who've sexually assaulted other people, you know, that's a hard one. But if it's in the past and I don't, you know, and they're not planning on doing it again, that's something that we we hold confidential. And, and we're going to help that person work through that. What's that? Yes, I was about to say, I hope that that person is there to do that work, um, yeah. right? Because uh, I, I hope it's not just a passing statement right <laughs> oh, yeah but also you know I was having a conversation with a friend the other day um, who was sort of admitting he's a male and he was sort of admitting to not knowing 
things or, you know, like, and I, and he, and he was kind of getting in trouble for it. And um, I was like, you know what, frankly, I don't think this stuff is going to change until people talk about it. Right. Right. Exactly. We're all messing up in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and if we don't, if we're not able to admit that to somebody and then say, you know, crap, here's what I did. Here, here's sort of how I think I got there. This is the stuff I learned, you know, for me, like racism, right? Or white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Like when I was growing up, this is what I was taught. And so I told this joke this one time in eighth grade and, you know, have this guilt about it or what, you know, or with a sexual assault. Like, I think it's really important for people to have a place where they could say, I did this thing. And at the time I thought it was okay. And now I've learned something mm-hmm. that makes me think it's not. And how can I, you know, unlearn that? And yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think that's why um, these collaborations are so important. You know, whenever whenever we worked with you or worked with other counselors or work with CAPS as a department, you know, our expectation is not that you come in and sit in the back of the room. I mean, right. we talked about that a lot for LT, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, yeah. the, our expectation is that folks are active participants, you know, and, and mm-hmm. the whole reason why we invite folks to come into the space and talk about these things is because you're right, we do need to talk about these things. And mm-hmm. they need to be talked about in a context other than, you know, I'm such a terrible person, look at me, you know, shame right. myself, yada, yada, yada. Like, mm-hmm. they, they really need to be talked about as like symptomatics, like, like parts of an oppressive society, right? Like, the, mm-hmm. these are, these are manifestations of, of power inequities that we have to recognize within ourselves and within each other, not, not in order to, to assign any sort of ethical value, right? Like, it's not about saying you're a bad person, but it's more about understanding like, okay, these are things that we're socialized to believe in and we have to unlearn them. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I think one thing about counseling is to realize that there are no throwaway people, right? And, Mm -hmm. and within our system, right? Oftentimes, when you admit to something or you are you know if there's an investigation and you're found to guilty whatever like you are all of a sudden categorized as not worthy right and so we see these systematic you know um or institutionalized systems like prison right like the way that we treat folks with mental illness the way that we treat you know even kids right? In school, right? Oh, they're the troublemakers, right? And it's like, we all of a sudden label them as not worthy or good enough to seek support, right? And I think when when we own a lot of the things, right, and we go to therapy or counseling or whatever, we are changing the narrative within this, this institutionalized systems of saying, I am worthy of help. I am worthy of taking care of myself and working on these things that I have learned, right? And I am not going to be thrown away, right? Mm-hmm. I, I choose not to be trash. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I laughed because Kenny did the period. Period. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> period, Sharon. <laughs> um, yeah, so... You know, with the time that we have left, is there anything that Stephanie you'd like to share that we didn't cover? Um, you know, anything like your social media. <laughs> right. Your social... So- I don't know what social media is. What? Oh, so like your, you like your Instagram, you know. Right. So I know <laughs> no, that I don't have that. your TikTok, your cameo. <laughs> I heard that was getting outlawed. I don't know anything. <laughs> um No, I wanna 
Yeah. Can I ask, can I ask a couple of questions of you all? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> this is my, this is what I'm used to is asking the questions. No. Um, I want to know, so Sharon, you share, you and the students shared a little bit about like your experience with counseling and mental health in this, in this typical, like, I don't know, we say traditional way, but it's not, it's only white tradition. So mm -hmm. I don't know what term to use, but um, I'm curious a couple of things. One, maybe to start out with, like, what, what do you think you all learned about mental health growing up? Like what were kind of some of the messages? So for example, for me, like I said, I went to, I, I knew I needed help. I was depressed when I was like 14 and I went downstairs and I, from my, I was crying in my room and I went downstairs and my mom and I was like, I got to talk to somebody. Like I already, I knew about therapy um, because friends were in it, but, but it was also this thing where then I went and did that with that person. Right. And it was kind of a secretive thing. And we, nobody talked about it, right? So that was one, that's teaching me something about mental health. Um, so I'm just curious, what, what were some of the things that you all heard or were taught about mental health, about counseling? And, and keep in mind, when I say counseling, like, that's broad, right? There's a lot of counseling going on in our religious spaces, in our spiritual spaces, in our, right. with, you know, just with older, you know, elders and children and all kinds of Yeah, things. definitely. Well, for me, like, my parents, like, they raised us, like, Christian, religious kind of type thing. So it was a lot of, like, prayer and, like, you know, praying about it, you know, what, whatever you have, like, ask God and, like, offer it up to God and see, like, have him help you out or whatever. Or just playing out work through it like just kind of push through it don't really let it stop you just keep going um you can't let it affect your work type thing so like kind of using kind of thinking that mental uh or like having like mental like challenges or like whatever like emotional challenges like it's like a burden so like kind of thinking like you can't let that get in the way and like or like as an excuse, like, oh, that's not an excuse, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that's my experience with that. Yeah, growing up in a Filipino Catholic household, um, we were kind of taught the same thing, just pray about it, um, or to look back at our ancestors, like back at the hardships that like my my uncles and aunties and my grandma have gone through and like use that as motivation to just push through it um but yeah in the Asian community there's definitely also like that model minority factor too um to just push through it and you know do the best that you can and like you'll over you'll eventually like overcome these things and I guess like talking and having discussions with my family helped but um, I always thought of counseling and like therapy as something that was for people who really need it. But in fact, like we need to normalize it. Like we all need it at some point in whatever way that looks like. So I definitely think like counseling and um, therapy should be like more normalized because growing up, I really thought like I had this idea of it, like, oh, I don't need it. But that's what a lot of people think and they actually do. Um, and like, 
a lot of people on social media are always bringing up the question like what would the world look like if like dads went to therapy or if if you know like we all went to therapy at some point so I'm asking myself that a lot more now and I'm glad that we have more of these resources um, and like this awareness is you know increasing about mental health and advocacy. Thank you both for sharing. I appreciate that. Yeah, I I think kind of similar to what Kenny and Jazz have already touched upon. You know, I think my family uh, growing up, you know, in the in in the within Hinduism, it is very spiritual, right? There is this aspect of meditation as part of a of offering of sacrifice um, as part of this religion in some ways. And so, you know, I kind of grew up around that, but I think my mom was, has always been a little bit more open-minded. And so when my parents had their divorce was finalized and I was in middle school, uh, I think my mom might, might have told my, one of my teachers and so I did get pulled out of class one time and a counselor a school counselor was like asking me questions and I definitely was like I don't know who you are right like I don't trust you and that was my first experience right being pulled out of class being made to feel like I had to talk about something and I remember sitting there for like 15 minutes just being talked at you know, and I think that kind of led me down to this thing of like, I think I'd already hardened myself anyway, before I got to that point, right? So, and then me realizing like, oh, I'm just this, kind of like what you're saying, that white tradition of counseling, right, mm -hmm. of having to talk to someone. And I just didn't want to participate. I did not want to um, engage, right? It's something... And then also, you know, just having the elders in my family be very hush-hush and me learning from them that, you know, you don't talk about these things, right? Mm -hmm. Growing up in a Islander, you know, Deti community, I didn't hear my peers, right? I didn't hear my cousins talk about their issues. I didn't hear my elders talk about their issues. And all of a sudden to be pulled into an office, I was like, what's going on? And then as I got older, as I experienced more trauma, you know, it was just easier for me to close off, right? I think it wasn't until I got to college that I started to realize some of my experiences were in the, like, in the realm of domestic violence, right? And then seeing it be a pattern within my family and how no one talked about it, or it would be the gossip of the family. Um, and it was very, you know, heartbreaking. And so I think that's when I tried to seek out counseling at SJSU, but I don't think I was mentally ready because so much had happened to me. Um, and then now, like I said, you know, earlier at 31, I'm realizing like, I'm not helping anybody if I don't help myself. And so it's, it's, it, it's an ongoing process where I feel like, you know, I, because a lot of, you know, Chris and I talk about this a lot, our work is really in our trauma, right? We, we talk to students, we process, we run workshops, right? Kind of talking through our trauma sometimes. And it's, it just became secondhand nature to just like use my trauma as an example and not really personalize it. And now I'm realizing like, that's not okay. Um, and so I, I really hope that for folks who are listening, right? Like if you 
resonated with anything that Kenny Jazz or I have said, right? And you're on this journey. There's a reason that you're listening to this podcast too. Um, and that to know that, you know, whatever your relationship may be, if you love therapy or counseling and you've done the workshops already, right, on your own time and now you're entering this community or if you're a continuing returning student, you know, and you're like, I love cats and I want to hear Stephanie talk, right? Like, I hope you continue to seek out these resources. Um, and yeah, that's just kind of been where I've been at. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't want to take up too much time. So I'll just say, you know, ditto for a lot of that. You know, <laughs> I, I grew, up, grew up in an East Asian household, Chinese household, um, that my family, you know, it, it wasn't something we talked about. It was, it was hidden, right? Um, and it goes on the list of things that are like, like not talked about right so mental health is on that list um sexuality uh, sexuality is on that list <laughs> um you know financial difficulties is on that list um emotional abuse is on that list um you know um uh medical medical stuff is on mm -hmm. that list if you have like physical disabilities or anything like that um there's just a whole list of stuff that we don't talk about you know mm -hmm. and um uh and as a result you know it's stigmatized you know don't talk about it don't admit to it don't tell anybody that you're suffering from it or going through it um and so growing up you know especially since i was an only child i still am an only child um <laughs> i don't know why i used was uh growing up as an you're only, only child. adult now <laughs> yeah so as as an only adult um no uh so growing up as an only child like it was difficult because there was no i didn't have a peer to talk to you know um, and, uh, uh, for me, you know, we, we really didn't have a reconciliation with that in my family until, um, I had a family member who was an, uh, who had undiagnosed, um, who's undiagnosed bipolar. Um, um, I had a family member who, uh, uh, had a, had a, a depressive episode that was undiagnosed and, um, and that was an awakening moment for my family of being like, oh, like something's going on here that we really need to talk about. Um, but even to this day, you know, there's still the tendency to hide things. You know, it's, you know, my, 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 my dad, you know, recently had some medical issues and, you know, we were talking about, you know, um, the last time we were talking about distant family members or family friends. And he, even even now, he was like, should I tell them that I had surgery? And it's like, yeah, tell them you had surgery. Who cares? Like, yeah. you know, but it's like, I don't know. Like, you know, that's still a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And I think on that note, you know, there's all these messages about what we don't talk about and these forbidden experiences and things. And um, the irony, I, I know counseling and mental health is one of them, but that's also the place you can go to talk about those things, you know? And I think for me, um, the things that in my life that have happened or that I've done or experienced that I felt that I feel a lot of shame about, when I talk about them, I feel less shame about them. Mm -hmm. and, and eventually I find people who've had similar experiences and then I feel even less shame about them. And to be able to talk to somebody and tell them these things and have them say, yeah, tell me more or mm -hmm. you know, I get that or 
um, you know, maybe even I don't get that, but I, you're so valid and your experience is so valid, you know, just having somebody being able to disclose that and not getting the, Ooh, don't talk about that. That's not okay. Um, response can be really healing and really helpful. So that's what we're hoping to, hoping to do. One of, one of many things we're hoping to be able to do for students. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, well, Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for talking, chatting. Plug your socials. I don't have social media, but Caps does. SJSU Caps, I think, on Instagram. Um, SJSU.edu slash counseling is their website. Um, I don't know if we have Twitter. I think we do, but I'm not, I don't have it. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Twitter doesn't always lead to the best mental health anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we could do a whole nother podcast about social media and mental health and the news. Yeah. But, uh, we'll, we'll have links in the show notes. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and feel free to reach out. I do know, I think our email, at, our email address is on the website, but I think it's counseling.services at sjsu.edu. Feel free to ask any questions. Another, another service that we provide in addition to like the outreach that I mentioned is consultation. So you can always just ask to talk to a counselor and ask questions on like a super low key sort of way. Just, you know, a lot of people are worried about a roommate or a friend or, you know, somebody in their class is acting strangely or seems depressed or whatever. You can always let us know and, you know, we can help you think through what to do. Um, and maybe that's a hypothetical and it's really you you're talking about. That's fine too. <laughs> uh, just reach out and let us know how we can be um, helpful and uh, we will try to accommodate. Cool. Well, thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Mosaic staff. Uh, this was awesome. Hopefully everybody got something great out of this. Um, and we will continue to be doing collaborative programs all throughout the year. So look for other stuff we're doing with CAPS, with Stephanie, with Ellen, with whoever else happens to be there that we, that, you know, wants to work with us. Um, you know, we'll have, we'll have tons of stuff coming to y'all, um, this upcoming year. So keep an eye on it. Thank um, you, everyone. Yeah. Thank so you. Thank, thank, you. You. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, listen carefully. Thank you.